Hello, and welcome to Mikey Pod, episode 226. Today's guest is writer and performer Ben Rimmelauer, and I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. And as such, I have some pretty diverse tastes in things. So on this podcast, you can hear guests ranging from activists to musicians to pastors to authors, whatever else strikes my fancy. Uh, things I love, really. Uh, I've been sending this podcast to your ears for a little over 11 years. It's actually getting pretty close to 12 years. That is crazy. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelheron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere. I'm at Michael Heron on all the places. And uh, send an email to mikeypod at gmail.com. Uh, I almost read the thing where I tell myself what to do next. Hello. Yeah, guys, I don't have a lot to say. I missed last week's podcast. Um, I, I'm going to continue to say that this week, this podcast is roughly every week. Although I really want to get on a every weekly schedule. Uh, I want to be doing a lot of stuff with my creative things, and I it's, I don't feel satisfied with what I've been doing. Um, and, and I realized this week that that has a lot to do with the fact that I'm working too many jobs. Oh, my heater just came on. Can you hear that? I'm turning it off. Uh, yeah, that I'm just doing too much stuff. Um, so I'm cutting some of it out. I'm actually, I'll tell you about it after I cut it out. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, Ugh. yeah, I don't want to say any of this stuff, but I have set a couple of, um, of hard, <laughs> uh, goals for myself slash commitments. One of them is that there's been this object that I've been wanting to make and it's, it's definitely going out to my Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Um, and it'll, I don't want to tell you anything more about it. The patron people know, uh, but it's going out. I'm mailing that out on the latest, February 23rd. I'm going to, I've already started working on creating it. Uh, so all my patrons on Patreon who are $5 and up will be getting this thing. And this podcast, I really want to keep trying to aim for every single week. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, so yeah, carving things out that are keeping me from doing this stuff. You know, I, I just get in this place where I feel guilty about not creating the stuff I want to create. And now the cat is digging in the litter box. Well, like every possible noise is happening right now. Sorry. Uh, so I keep getting in this place of wanting, feeling guilty about not creating the stuff that I want to create. And the part I realized this week, I was like, you're tired. You're tired. It's okay. Like I feel guilty because I like go to bed early one night or I take a nap one day instead of working. And I'm doing too many things. I can't do all the things I'm doing and add extra work. Like it's fun work. It's work I want to do, but it's hard. It, it takes energy, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So anyway, whatever that's worth, um, self-care is on the agenda. Today is Sunday where I'm recording this. I have the entire day off. I think I forgot to mention that this podcast is going up on February 13th, 2017. Did I mention that already? Um, yeah, I think that's all I've got to tell you guys. Um, and I will also, this is going to sound really weird and social justice-y, but I want to stop saying you guys. I think I may have even addressed this with uh, the, the uh, collectively free people when they were on the podcast. Guys is, uh, it's a gender specific term. I don't want to say that word. I'm trying to phase it out. So feel free to call me out on it. Call me out on anything or tell me you love me. MikeyPod at gmail.com. I said that already, but I would love to 
hear from you. Anyway, so a couple of last little housekeeping things. I am uh, have affiliate programs set up with both DreamHost and uh, Blueberry. That Those are the things I use. The cat is still digging in the litter box. Those are the things that I use to publish this podcast. Um, all my web hosting is done on DreamHost. And um, I, I do stats. And there's a great WordPress plugin called PowerPress that comes through Blueberry. Um, and I use them for stats. Um, so there, you could get like discounts and a free month from Blueberry if you use uh, the code for Blueberry. It's just MikeyPod. And um, I don't have codes for DreamHost, but you can just go to my site. Down at the bottom of every podcast post, there'll be this little place where you can find this stuff. Start a podcast or start a website, any of this stuff. I love DreamHost. I love Blueberry. Um, I use them. So I thought it'd be cool to start like, uh, I'd love to help people do this type of thing because it's really pretty rewarding. And um, and you can save some money and I'll get a little percentage or whatever if you go through me. So wouldn't that be great? If you love this always free podcast and the many other things I create, tell a friend, leave a message, uh, leave a review, like, subscribe. And especially I'd love your, por- your support at patreon.com slash Michael Heron, where you can get access to all kinds of cool stuff in exchange for as little as a dollar a month. It's totally dollar a month people in there. I don't care. Just come join me. It's fun exchanging ideas in there. Um, I'd love to connect with you there, and I'd love your help covering the expenses for this always free podcast and the other content I create slash hope to create more of everywhere. Enough about me and all that stuff. Today's guest is Ben Rimmelauer. I've been wanting to have him on the podcast for a long time, and it's been my own sort of, well, what I talked about, the too many, too much energy spraying out in a million different directions. Um, and it, you know, it's hard to, yeah, I already said that. Stop. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Ben is on the podcast today. He's an author and star of the Off Off Broadway's long-running, critically acclaimed smash hit shows, Bad With Money, which was the Advocate's number one solo show of 2014, and Patty Issues, listen to this, New York Times critic pick, um, Mac and Bistro Awards, official selection of the Adelaide Cabaret Festival and the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center Summer Conference. So he performs these shows still all over the world, and he's about to do um, like the, the double bill of each of the shows, one in L.A., one in New York City. You'll hear all about it. But before we get to the interview with Ben, I've got a track for you. This is a great cover of Bjork's, oh, I should, Bjork. I've been corrected by my friend Honey LeBronx multiple times. It's pronounced Bjork, not Bjork. Uh, file that away. Uh, this is an artist named Animal, A-N-M-L. And uh, I got to interview her on the Our Hen House podcast uh, several months ago. And it was a great interview. And her music is fantastic. And this is Animal's cover of Hunter. Thing. 
Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, and thank you for all those things you just said about me. <laughs> oh my God, they were so great, right? <laughs> I, I carefully crafted them directly from your uh, press release. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I, I probably, but I probably added in this. I love the way when we're talking about the the future, but it's going to sound like the past in the podcast. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm falling sure. in on myself. Yeah. So, hello, welcome. Um, I love talking to people who do solo work like you do because uh, I'm sort of a baby in that world. So it's, I'm mm-hmm. always happy to talk about this stuff. So you've got two shows, Bad With mm-hmm. Money and Patty Issues. It did, and they're both going to be performed soon, right? You're doing them yes. both again at the duplex? Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little about uh, Patty Issues. Can, that, that was your first show, am I right? That's right. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about it? Sure. Well, Patty Issues is a play on daddy issues um and the show is um sort of juxtaposes uh my lifelong obsession 
an eventual uh, relationship with Patty Lupone with um, my uh, even more tumultuous relationship with my father, um, who's kind of a head case and um, is also gay like me um, and also uh, an addict, although sort of, you know, not in recovery. Um, and, um, and I'm sure many other undiagnosed things. <laughs> that you must be. Uh, so there's the show kind of pits those two, uh, journeys, uh, against each other, uh, in my life. Um, and, um, it's just a monologue for an hour. And, um, I started it, uh, at the duplex about four and a half years ago. And, um, I had been a director all my career uh, and I just sort of had started writing a little bit. I hadn't even thought about performing, but I wrote this and performed it and it was very successful and I've done it all over the world. And it led to me doing the second show. And, uh, now I am the, uh, actress singer who moves you have before you. <laughs> uh, so that was your first solo show. Mm-hmm. And what, uh, this is a sort of weird open-ended question, but what was that like? Like how, I, I, what was the process like getting from director person to solo original show? And I, I assuming you like produced it yourself. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, as far as the producing goes, um, I consider myself in a way, uh, you know, the line in Evita, Eva Peron had every disadvantage you need if you're going to succeed. Uh huh. Um, you know, I, I, I went to UC Berkeley, um, uh, which is a wonderful, you know, college, and um, uh, and I had the fabulous time there. And I was in, Berkeley's a great place to be, especially in 1994, you know, and San Francisco and all that. Uh, but the theater department um, is very academic, which is a nice way of putting it. Um, and um, I knew that I wanted to be a director. I had no interest in performing and I wasn't really thinking about writing. Um, and they wouldn't let me direct a play until I was a senior. And um, you didn't expect this answer to go so far back in time, did you? No, I'm totally on board. This is the kind of thing I was hoping for. So keep, <laughs> okay. keep it coming. Um, <laughs> uh, they wouldn't let, let me direct until I was a senior and I'm most passionate about musical theater and they didn't do any musicals. Um, so I started a student theater company uh, called Bear Stage, which is actually, I'm proud to tell you, still going strong 20 nice. some odd years later. Um, and I got to be, you know, uh, I don't know, George Wolf talks about his college years as his Ava Peron phase. Mm -hmm. And um, I definitely felt that way. You know, I was like a dictatress. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was a wonderful time for me. And I got to do everything I wanted to do as a director and as a producer. And I think that the training was invaluable to me uh, in terms of having to self, you know, initiate projects. Because I, in the reality of my career in New York, way before I started writing and performing, even just as a director, was that um, really anything I've done that had, has had any any degree of success has have been things that I, you know, made happen myself from scratch. And I credit my um, confidence and um, a little bit of my know-how in that department from being a self-starter in college. And I think that ironically, if I'd gone to a better training program, a conservatory or something like I don't know, Northwestern or NYU or CCM or Michigan or whatever, you know, or even UCLA, which I certainly could have gone to, 
Um, I don't know that I would have had the same, at least comfort level with just making shit happen on my own. Um, and, uh, and I did that all through my years as a director, the two off Broadway plays that I directed joy with Christopher Sloan was in and, um, and the other one he was in, Messiah <laughs> Zero, uh, were both things that I was a producer on, you know, and many of the off off Broadway plays that I directed in little showcases and whatever. And and, and I did a lot of cabaret, uh, a lot of which I produced myself, uh, including one that was very successful called Leslie Kritzer's Patty Lupone at Les Mouches. Um, and they were all things that I directed and, you know, all the uh, agent meetings that I had and all the scripts with a um, watermark that I read and, you know, all the stuff that I did that was sort of within the um, uh, infrastructure of, of the business kind of never really got me anywhere, you know, and everything that I did that got anywhere was stuff I made happen myself. And, but I was very frustrated as a director because I felt like my career was at the mercy of the material that I could get my hands on. And, they weren't giving the good material to Ben Rimmelauer. They were giving it to, you know, Joe Mantello. And um, even when I would work with talented young writers, you know, uh, when they would write their second play, they would go to a better director. You know, or uh. not better is unfair because I think I'm brilliant, you know, but they would go to somebody that could uh, advance their career yeah, more. Like, and of course they should. Like a you bigger know, name um, type person? Absolutely. You know, um, I mean, and bigger name is almost even a kind of misnomer because that sort of is more appropriate for acting. You know, it's, you know, producers trust the directors that, you know, an actor can audition. And, you know, if you read a play, you know if it's good or not, you know, but directors, in a sense, they need a track record to be considered good, you know. And so, of course, they wanted to have directors that they had confidence in, you know, the producers, that is, you know, and writers wanted to work with producers because they want their work produced. So it was sort of this horrible catch-22, and I was getting more and more frustrated and bitter and um, uh, and going deeper and deeper into my alcoholism and drug addiction, which made me, you know, conversely even less uh, able to sort of, you know, generate things. Um mm. But the thing that I'd had the most success with was something that I not only produced, but that I had really uh, authored, which was Leslie Critzer's Patti LuPone at Les Mouches. And I began to realize how much I liked that experience, um, uh, not dealing with another writer, you know, um, where, where I was the author, except I wasn't making up words. You know, I was, it was, this show was based on, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, I guess you could call it, you know, documentary theater in a way. I mean, it was, I took all these live audio recordings of Patti LuPone's cabaret act at Les Mouches and uh, sort of consolidated them together into one sort of, um, I don't know, hyper-real amalgamation of, you know, sort of the, the, the epitome of what one night seeing her would be. And it included, you know, I mean, there were some parts of her act that were scripted, like any cabaret acts. Of course, that stuff was part of it. But there was a lot that was unscripted and then things also that were sort of just, you know, imagined. And 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 then there was also things that happened in real time that Leslie and I worked out together um, over the course of the run. And it was a successful show and I loved doing it. And I kept looking for other projects I could do like that. You know, I was like, oh, maybe the first Woodstock, I would create an evening about that or... Um, there was like a Cindy Lauper concert from the eighties or something that I, I don't know. There was, 
you know, there was, there was all kinds of different shit I was considering doing. And, yeah. uh, but, but as I said, I was, you know, going deeper and deeper into my addiction and less and less productive. Um, and then kind of one drunk night, I had an idea kind of unrelated to that, which was that, uh, all my friends would come to my apartment and, you know, we'd get drunk and stoned and I would watch, I would show them all these amazing, uh, rare Patty Lupone videos that Patty herself had given me in my time uh, knowing her. I mean, well, I still knew her, but, you know, uh, when I'd first gotten to know her um, and, you know, we would talk about them and I said, well, I should get paid for this. I should show them at, you know, the Lori Beachman or something and charge a cover and I'll just kind of deconstruct them like Seth Rudetsky, you know, except not bitchy. I mean, I'm way way bitchier than Seth Rudetsky, but, you know, it, it would just be a love letter to Patty, you know, um, and, uh, so I, but because it with Leslie Christopher's Patty Lepone Le Mouche, which I had done with Patty's permission initially, and then Patty had turned on the project at a certain point and threatened to sue me. Oh, um, Patty and I had since patched things up and I produced Patty's album of Le Mouche, but, uh, but I didn't want to do this without her, you know, explicit, uh, encouragement. So I said, is it okay if I use your videos? And she said, well, let me see a draft of the show. So, and I hadn't even thought I was going to script it. You know, I thought I was just going to get up there and be like, you guys, that's an E flat. Oh my God. You know, (laughs) Um, but uh, so I started working on it, but actually what was coming out around this time I had started blogging. So I was sort of just dipping my toes in the water of being a writer. And when I started writing the sort of intros and outros to these videos, they were not about E flats and, you know, mixed voice and, you know, whatever. They were about me and my life and what the videos meant to me. And the more I wrote, the more it became not about videos at all and just this strange journey that my um, passion for Patty had sort of led me down from being a fan to being a colleague to being a friend to getting the threat of a lawsuit to getting to the other side of that and working together again and being friends again and um the strange thing was that i had this very clear sense that the final moment in the show was this thing crazy thing that had happened to me where i ran into my father who i hadn't seen at that point in 10 years and really for 20 years and I ran into him at the St. James Theater. He sat directly behind me during a performance of Gypsy. And it made so much sense to me that this was the final moment, the button in my sort of Patty story. But I didn't know how to trace the story of my father to make it make sense why it made sense, you know. But I trusted that it did. And eventually, through a sort of long, convoluted, convoluted writing process, I think I succeeded in doing that. Um, but, you know, it was I, when I was drinking, I would write for like an hour and then leave it alone for six months. And it wasn't until I got sober um, that I really began to work on it, the show in earnest. And um, but once that happened, it came together pretty quickly. Mm, yeah, that's sobriety. <laughs> That'll like get things moving. So so that's where Patty Issues sort of was born from that the that, that ending moment. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, excellent. I I wish I had seen the show. I'm glad I'm going to be able to go. Please uh, come. see it. Yeah. Oh, child, I will be there. Um, I've seen uh, Bad with Money. Oh, I should mention because you mentioned Christopher Sloan, and I think we mentioned him before I started recording. Christopher Sloan yeah. is a uh, local actor 
local New York City actor who is who introduced me to Ben. So that's where that falls into place. Just in case you, I'm sure everyone's still sitting there wondering. Yeah, that's great, but who's that Christopher Sloan he mentioned? Who's Christopher Sloan? <laughs> well, he's he, I, he's one of my favorite singers on earth. Uh, he's an amazing person. He's one of my favorite yes. people. Aw. And now he's happily married, so fuck him. Uh, well, they're not married yet. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we could still tear them apart. Oh, my God. Do you... You're single, yeah, I'm guessing from that. Yeah, speaking of which, by the way, I don't get any credit, but I introduced them. Jeremy Schaefer, who he's engaged to, was the publicist on Joy. Like ah. Chris and I did in 2005. Got it. Oh, so interesting. Um, yeah. do you, I, I'm glad that I'm not the only bitter person in the world who's like, oh, how nice. Look, yeah. someone else is engaged on Facebook. Oh, it's all a nightmare, though. I just started dating somebody, and now after years of being single, I just wish I was single. I'm totally miserable. So, you know, yeah. we can't win. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 uh, yeah. I think that's a whole other topic, but I feel yeah. I would be the same way. I don't yeah. date just because I know I would be a total freak. Yeah. It's been too long. <laughs> It's, it's been too cute. long. I can't handle it. That little yeah. nugget back to back to your work of yes. um, making shit happen. Like just that whole uh, it, it's something that I've just learned to sort of tap into. And I'm very uh, like, hmm. when I lived in I lived in Texas forever. Yeah. In Houston. And I'm Texas. In uh, Houston. Houston. Yeah. And uh, I music directed forever and and I didn't really love it. Uh, and moved to New York and sort of was be, uh, as a way to kind of get away from music directing because I couldn't say no. It was that thing where you were like, but these people are asking me to do this thing. And if I say no, they'll stop asking me, uh, which is weird. Yeah. But it took me a while, like oh something God. about coming to New York and like finding that energy of people who just like, oh, I want to do this thing. And I don't have an opportunity anywhere for someone to tell me to do the thing. So I'm going to make the thing. Uh, yeah. It's very exciting. It, yeah, it's exciting and scary. Like for me, and I think, uh, well, I, I wonder if you had this experience too when you were first starting with Patty Issues. Um, I it's because working on solo work to me is uh, I'm it's solo and I'm writing it and rehearsing it by myself, maybe with a director, and then suddenly there's going to be an audience, and there's yeah. that sense of like, oh my god. I just decided to do this. No one said, hey, this is going to be a good idea. Go do this. Yeah. Those, those moments of like, what the fuck? How did, <laughs> is this going to be good? Is this going to be embarrassing? Like, and that keeps me often from moving forward. Do you have, do you run into that? And what is your way around it or through it? Yeah. I mean, the way I experience that is definitely, um, I don't feel it as fear. I feel it as laziness, which is probably like an emotional defense, you know? So I'll just like sit on my ass and not do work. I mean, I, I am, I'm not somebody that gets bored. You know, I could like sit in front of the TV and watch movies and different TV shows for literally ever. I mean, I, I really require nothing from the outside world. I mean, I can spend hours just, you know, reading, Patty LuPone's reviews when she was in, you know, the William Saroyan play off Broadway in 1974 and curious about, you know, uh, what's the deal with water on Mars. I mean, I just have weird things I'm interested in. I mean, it's weird. I'm so generally not interested in things, but the things I am interested in, I could go very deep on. Um, and so it's easy for me to procrastinate, you know, forever. Um, so, I mean, I have to say that one thing that finally helped me with patty issues is I booked the dates, you know. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and that helped me even more, actually, with that with money. I mean, Patty Issues, at least I kind of had a draft when I did that. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, with Patty Issues, I had this real sense of purpose. I felt, um, I truly had no idea whether it was going to be, well, not only successful, but I had no idea whether it was going to be any good. Um, and in a weird way, I mean, it's funny, I, I feel like it was such a pure moment of, uh, integrity for me, um, which I mean, I do not experience <laughs> most of my <laughs> life, but, you know, um, but, but with Patty issues, I, I knew that I was doing what I was supposed to do, you know, in a way I really didn't care if it was good or successful or not. Like I felt like, uh, that I was not the reason I was doing it. I knew that it was what I needed to do creatively to get to whatever the next step was in my life. And I felt so, assured of that, that it felt, it was just this real moment of, what do we call it, like, um, in the program, like, um, bliss, no, uh, blasted, I don't know, what am I trying to say? Uh, uh, I'm trying to dig for it, grace. too. It was grace. a moment of grace. You oh, know? yeah. Yes, I really, um, I, I felt so committed to it, and I felt that it was what I should be doing, and it felt good to do it, and it felt like what I wanted to do, and... I was not at all attached to any kind of result. You know, of course, I mean, as much as any time in my life, I had delusions of grandeur, but that really huh. was not what was, uh, was motivating me, you know, and that was, that's a wonderful position to be in. It's a, it's a very empowered position, you know? Um, and it really took me right through it, right through the first performances. Um, and, and luckily enough, Patty issues caught on. So, you know, there was a lot of cash and prizes, pretty early on. So I didn't, you know, I sort of was able to go seamlessly from doing it for the right reasons to enjoying all the other shit. Um, and, um, um, yeah, but it's not always like that. I mean, you know, with bad with money, um, I really, my second show, I, I really wanted to write another show and perform another show. And I had this idea of kind of what that show should be partly because, Patty Issues in its earliest, roughest drafts had really been about three things. Patty LuPone, my relationship with my father, and my relationship with money. And um, at one point I was even thinking about calling it Patty Daddy Money. Mm. Um, <laughs> and as I worked on it, it became clear to me that that was other stuff that didn't belong, that, that there was a story there that was its own without the money stuff. Uh, but because the money is such a prevalent you know, uh, problem in my life, it actually was difficult to completely extract it from the material, you know? Um, but we basically did that, although there still are some things in patty issues that kind of, you know, incidentally uh, uh, deal with that. But, um, but I had a bunch of material that I thought I still kind of felt like was a show. Um, so then I, I figured I would start working on that, but I was really resistant to writing it. It was much more raw for me than the stuff in Patty Issues. I mean, everybody came to see Patty Issues and said, oh my God, it's so brave, it's so brave, it's so personal. And it didn't feel brave to me, you know? Um, it, I mean, it felt brave to me to perform because I hadn't been a performer up until that point. But it didn't It didn't feel like I was exposing some... I was so bravely dealing with something so personal. I, 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 well, first of all, I think I'm someone, like I said to you, that I don't really have secrets. I mean, I think, you know, to a fault... I don't have secrets. I think that um, 
I was forced to carry the burden of secrets in my childhood. And I think that my way of coping was to just vomit it up and, you know, uh, sort of uh, unload my secrets onto anybody else so that I'm not <laughs> stuck with them, you know? And so I, you know, I, I would do well to have a little more sense of privacy in my life that I don't have. Um, so there's that. And then the truth is the things in Patty issues, I mean, I'm kind of the good guy, you know, bad shit happens to me and I kind of come out stronger, you know, and it, you know, and I, I'm basically this charming little show queen that, you know, has a love for this like eccentric diva and then gets to be close to her. And it's sort of a sweet story. And I think that, um, I'm just very likable in it and audiences have liked me in it. And bad with money is quite the opposite. I mean, I'm the bad guy and I do a lot of fucked up shit and it's not even this, this sort of conventional recovery story where it's like, but you know, now I'm in recovery and I'm better and everything's okay. I mean, the, the show ha- does has no real ending, you know. I mean, I've, I've tried to give the show an ending, but the story does not. I mean, for all my success in uh, sobriety and recovery from drugs, um, I'm really, uh, I'm still very active in my addiction with money, and I'm very frank about that in the show and about my struggle to um, get through that, you know. Um, and so that show really did feel brave um, and feels brave every time I do it. Um, and as a matter of fact, the opening night of Bad With Money, I enter in that show from the back of the house. Well, I enter in both shows, actually, from the back of the house. But but I remember being in the back of the house with my director um, about to go on, and I remember squeezing his arms so tightly, and I did not want to let go. I mean, it was like, you know, I... I felt like a baby bird and like if my mother let go of me, I wasn't going to fly. I was just going to thud to the ground. You know, I just, I just didn't, I I mean, if I could have canceled the show or like made him like hold my hand and walk through the show with me, I would have, you know? Um, And, uh, and it's been, you know, as much as bad with money has been a much more difficult um, thing in my life than Patty issues. It's also been in a way, something I'm more proud of because I feel that, I just feel proud of the the journey of of it, how I've gone through it, and what I've learned about myself, and all that, you know. Um, and 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 I think that there was something I don't want to say self indulgent, but there was something um, there was something. Um, my one of my sponsors from DA Debtors Anonymous, when he saw that with money, said that it was um, the greatest uh, greatest fourth step he'd ever seen. And for a while, I I was saying that it was a um, a 12 step share with a two drink minimum. <laughs> um, and now that I think about it, I should use that slogan. Um, that's a really but, great uh, slogan, but I don't think people would, you know, maybe people in the program would appreciate it. But I think it sounds like, <laughs> not. but I think there was a sense of that in a way it was kind of maybe not a good show for that reason. You know, I mean, not everybody really wants to go see a 12 step share, especially outside of the context of a 12 step meeting. Um, but I think that over time, I've really found the way to to do it where it's not a 12-step share, where it is a, a a piece of theater. And it does, you know, have a the appropriate sort of distance from the audience, you know, to give them the story, uh, you know, on its own terms and whatever. Um, I don't know. It's hard to sort of put that into words. But that, that I, I feel that there's something I've come to in doing the show. But... Um, but yeah, there you have it. I mean, that, that was 
that was more of a scary experience for me, at least at first, for sure. Yeah, that's the beauty of setting those dates and then making these deadlines that we can't get out of, right? Yeah. At that point, by the time I I get, I'm assuming for you, like this is my experience has been by the time I'm like, oh shit, I can't do this. It's too late. And it's like, well, guess what? (laughs) You got to do it anyway. And then it turns out to be something good something worthwhile like of course it's scary and also you know what the truth is it's like my fear is never i can't do this like i can't visualize myself having done it my sense is just like i don't know if it's i don't want to do the work or i'm scared to do the work but it'll be like you know i just somehow the work just some starts to seem impossible to me you know yeah i i i think that i love the idea of doing a show like I think that's cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like writing it and all the other stuff that goes around it, I think that's the part. Like when you were talking about how that that uh, fear, uh, maybe maybe these aren't your words. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like the fear shows up for you as laziness. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I like that totally resonated with me because yeah. I like it's like the when it's right before I have to panic and wrap everything up and get the shit together. Yeah. I like take naps. Right. Like crazy. And uh, and it's that it's the fear that I'm like I got, I I can't do this right and so I'll take a nap today instead <laughs> until like there's no choice but to like just drill down and do it yeah oh my god I love these conversations it's <laughs> like anything not uh, to do the work <laughs> yeah I'll yeah talk to for you sure all day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I looked it up while while uh, we were talking just in case anyone's not in the program and doesn't know what step four is which we referred to a, a little while ago. Uh, it's made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Yes. Yes. Yes, Queen. <laughs> but that's like I think some of my work, and and it sounds like this is true for you too. Is is that it's like a step four and a step five of like yes. sort of uh, it helps me sort of identify what's going on with me in a way that nothing else does. Yeah. And then sharing it, and then those those moments and. Well, I think I had one with you. I think I sent you a Facebook message after I saw Bad With Money. Mm-hmm. Because for years, I've been saying, like, there's a seat for me in DA, and I'm just not ready to go there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, DA is Debtors Anonymous, for those of you listening. Um, is that Does that feel like part of why you're doing the work you do? Those moments when someone comes to you and is like, oh, my God, thank you for talking about that thing you're talking about. <laughs> I wish about I because- could say yes. <laughs> but it's not. I just want to be rich and famous, Michael. <laughs> no, I'm not going to argue with that for sure. But like, do but you no, get something out of that? Deal to me. I mean, in yeah. all seriousness, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, you know, anytime anybody connects with my work, it's incredibly gratifying. Um, and and particularly in that way, because with Bad with Money, I had such a. Um, well, there were even people in my life who said to me, you shouldn't be doing this. You haven't completed the work in the program. You should not be putting this out there. Um, this is not a piece of art. This is like, you know, an, an overshare. Um, oh, shit. And, you know, and that that's something hard to hear because it's something where I feel vulnerable and don't, you know, if somebody says to you, you know, well, not in the world of Donald Trump, but, you know, normally if somebody says to you two plus two equals five, you can say, shut up. No, it doesn't. You know, but when somebody says something that you don't entirely feel confident about to begin with, it's very painful. But you yeah. know, responses to my show like yours have really shored up my my belief in what I'm doing. 
Yeah, I find, I don't want to go too much into people in the program, <laughs> yeah. but there's a certain energy of, oh God, I I feel like a terrible person in recovery for saying this, but there's a certain energy of like inaction that I, you know, like for to to take a risk like you did with like creating a show about your addiction. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, like, I feel like, ugh. I, in I all fairness, want to tell someone, like, go in ahead. In all fairness, the asshole that said that to me the most, the person in my family, is not in the program. Of course. So yeah. where does he get off telling me <laughs> about the program? I do not know. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, look, I, there are people in the program that you know, whatever, but. I just want to say full disclosure, this dude was not in the program. <laughs> <laughs> that does make a big difference. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, yeah, I, I've been noticing a lot of that, like with people, like with my animal rights activism. Yeah. A lot of people who are also in that world and yeah. have like critiques of how I'm doing something or someone else is doing some kind of activism. I'm sure this is in all realms of activism, yeah. not just animal rights. There are people that are like, oh, I don't think you should be talking to people or saying sure. that because that's going to blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, well, Show me an example of the thing you're doing. And it's like, oh, nothing. <laughs> well, it's like, and so, you know, there's a word for that. There's a term for that in the program. They call it taking somebody else's inventory. I mean, you said course, the fourth yeah. step is, you know, making a moral inventory of ourselves. Well, it's called taking someone else's inventory. You know, it, it's it's not up to you to decide if somebody else is doing the program right or wrong, you know? Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and I think that's true in life. You know, I think that's a valuable lesson. Um, you know, and it gets into other stuff we deal with as artists in terms of like staying in your own lane and, you know, not, it's not a competition, you know, and it, it's all related. Yeah. I've learned so much like, oh my God, <laughs> so much from the program. Um, we should wrap this thing up. This, uh, let's talk real quick about the dates for the show. Um, well, so uh, Patty Issues and Bad With Money are on a double bill all the people can buy uh, tickets either separately or in a discount to both shows together. I do Patty Issues at 7 and Bad With Money at 9, and that's at the Duplex on um, Sunday, March 19th, and Sunday, sorry, Sunday, February 19th, and Sunday, March 19th. Um, and then I'll also be doing them same style in L.A. at Casita del Campo, Friday and Saturday, March 3rd and 4th in L.A., but times are slightly different but all the information can be found at benramalauer.com or pattyissues.com that's patty with an i nice and um social media you're at ben Rimmelauer on twitter and also facebook just ben Rimmelauer. that's right facebook twitter instagram youtube um grinder uh <laughs> everything all the all the various places yeah uh, and if you're listening to this and you're worried you're going to forget, don't. you can just go to MikeyPod.com and I'll have links uh, to all this stuff as well. Or if you just Google like gay guy, Patty Lapone, alcoholic, I'll probably come up. <laughs> I'm going to try that later make sure yeah. make sure it works. That'll be one of the links on my uh, website, the Google search for gay guy, Patty Lapone, alcoholic. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ben, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to talk to you, Michael.
That was Alejandro Bento with the Christopher Willits remix of Heartbeat. Christopher Willits, you've heard on the show, perpetual inspiration, beacon of direction for me. I love his work. Yeah, uh, I love that guy. <laughs> if you could see the smile on my face right now. Uh, Christopher Willits, um, you know, I, 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 he's got a new album I don't know if it's released to the world or just to those of us who subscribe to his work, as one should do when they love the work of another. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you, uh, Ben Rimmelauer, for your interview today. Uh, it was interesting listening to that again in uh, relationship to what I was saying earlier in the show, just that sort of awareness of sometimes my laziness is a reaction to um, to being legitimately tired uh yeah and just the way i spoke of that it's that's the interesting thing about doing this podcast it gives me some different perspective uh that folds in on itself sometimes next week's guest is uh emmett jack lundberg he has created a web series called brothers which you can check out on amazon prime uh there's a whole series of it uh i don't remember how many episodes but they're all pretty short it's a really beautiful show and you could binge watch the entire season in like an hour. They're, they're very short episodes. So that's your homework. Check it out on, uh, on Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only place it was. It used to be on YouTube. YouTube's. I was combining. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening. Thanks, of course, for everything. Let me look at my little checklist here. I think I've said all the things I need to say. Yeah. Thanks for. Uh, yeah. I'd love to hear from you. Review the show. Uh, say hi, join my Patreon page, check me out on all the places, and thank you. Just thank you. Thank you for your light. Thank you for your life. Thank you for downloading this show. Wow, I just got very deep there. Well, it's true. Thanks, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>